Welcome to the Global Council podcast, where we share our latest insights on recent developments in politics and policy in the UK, Europe and internationally. Today, Global Council Senior Director Stephen Adams talks to the founders of BCB Group, Oliver von landsberg Sady and Oliver Tonkin on the regulation of... Hi there, this assets. is Stephen Adams, Director at Global Council. I'm here today with um, Oliver van landsberg Sady and Oliver Tonkin, both of BCB Group. And we're going to talk for the next 10 minutes or so about some of the issues they are dealing with um, as innovators and entrepreneurs in the crypto asset space. Um, guys, I, I want to start off with a with a broad question, which, which is a question about where you think we are, and we can maybe start. We can we can start with the UK perspective, but this is clearly a, a bigger question. Where, where you think we are in terms of the journey towards a more regulated space for crypto assets? What, what kind of conclusions do you think regulators are drawing from developments in the crypto asset markets over the last? couple of years and where do you think that implies that they're likely to go next? From my perspective, regulators broadly need to address three concerns. One is protecting consumers, one is keeping markets efficient, and one is making it easy for companies to raise money. Before we even get to that stage of um, implementing controls and regulation in that space, we need to understand definitions. So even though we're, you know, 10 years into the life of Bitcoin, five years into the life of um, many other cryptocurrencies, and let's say a year into global awareness, there is still uh, a great problem about uh, you know, regulators being able to define uh, things. So that we're still at the definition phase, but I think what regulators do see is that in the aftermath of the uh, cryptocurrency markets crash um, in December, many consumers were burnt, so consumer protection must be high on the agenda. And I think uh, regulators are also, especially the FCA, are beginning to recognize that being able to define uh, tokens, especially in the security space, which is a very well understood regulated space, um, it needs priority, uh, especially if the UK is to keep up with the, uh, with the pace of innovation with its neighbors. But presumably when we when we talk about a taxonomy in this area, we're not talking about a single definition. I mean, it seems inevitable that when you think about the way in which crypto assets are used, we're going to be talking about multiple taxonomies. The question is going to be distributing various uses across them and determining essentially how each one of these uses is treated in regulatory terms. You've made a point about consumer protection. Uh, there's clearly going to be a question about the application of securities law uh, and, and securities marketing rules where uh, a crypto asset token is, is being used as a, as a security. Um, but it's not presumably going to be a question of a single definition. It's going to be a question of multiple uh, classifications. I mean, I think, I mean, if you look at the, at the jurisdictions where there's been the most amount of, of public thought, at least, on, on the point you just made, I mean, I mean, Switzerland is the one in terms of, of Europe that's probably made the most progress in terms of trying to define classify um, you know, various buckets, if you like, various, various taxonomies is a, is a good word, in terms of, of subcategories of crypto assets. So I mean, what Swiss have done, they've, they've, they've created three. They've gone for you know, quasi-money, which would be Bitcoin, Ethereum, let's say, utility tokens. So all, all, most of the ICOs last year were utility token-based. And then security tokens, you know, where there's a there's intrinsic underlying value to a token, whether it's 
you know, sort of asset, a share of a business's assets, its cash flows, um, or something, or something you know, similar to that. Uh, and you know, I think I think that's a that's a helpful initial trinity of, of categories. I would say. I mean, I mean, the, again, the Swiss have, have made it clear that, that that there are some tokens which would have characteristics of more than one of those of those uh, subcategories. Um, and you know, I think there's work still to do on on that on that space. But I think that's that's quite a helpful initial. A bit of work. Uh, and where's your? Where is your? In your sense, where is the UK on that same taxonomic journey? I think they are behind. It, to be to be honest, uh, I mean, there's there's been a few announcements from the FCA in the context of ICOs, and again, to Oliver's to the other Oliver's point, I mean, they are concerned about consumer protection. Um, I think if you look at you know a lot of the ICOs that were done, twenty seventeen, were mainly you know utility token type offerings. I was looking the other day at the at the market cap coin market cap app. And I think there's, I think of the majority of the ones that were done that were utility tokens, some of them have lost ninety nine percent of their value. So I mean, if you were if you were a consumer, and you and you put some money into an ICO in you know in the next Uber or the blockchain or whatever, um, you know, you're looking at quite a big loss. And, and I think they are concerned, and and rightly so actually, that um, you know, there is the potential for. You know, consumers, retail investors who get involved in that space because it was interesting, and exciting, and hot. You know, if they if they bought and bought and held, uh, that's a you know, that's a big loss. And a lot of those those tokens really were should never have been have been made. And if they'd been a conventional offering of securities, they would never have got they would never have got through. Yeah. So I think I think I think there is a there is a a a fair concern actually about. About that space, and, and it probably does need regulation, or at least making it making the hurdles to entry a lot higher. So you can see the incentive to push this kind of taxonomic sort of process and project along more quickly from the consumer protection point of view. What, what about from the point of view of, uh, of of innovation? I mean, to what to what extent does 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 slower progress or slower than desirable progress on this? On these questions, hold the UK back in terms of a place to host these kind of businesses, or ultimately a regulatory perimeter or framework in which innovators can get to work. I think one of the biggest barriers to entry is is, um, is a very practical, a very basic one, and that's banking uh, companies like us, blockchain companies who are uh, you know launching new technologies on ICO frameworks. Anything that is vaguely cryptocurrency flavored is very much outside of most banks' policies. It's extremely difficult to move fiat cash. Therefore, it's extremely difficult to pay your staff and your operating expenses. And that is a result of the lack of clarity and definition from the FCA on what banks ought to be doing about companies like us. I think as soon as that language is clearer and more available, and banks feel more comfortable in expanding their their risk appetite policies to include us, I think that's when we're going to see a, a major uptick in the innovation yield uh, of companies like us in this country. We're being forced to bank abroad. Uh, we, you know, we have some local banking, but it's limited, uh, and it certainly doesn't allow for the kind of growth that any other fintech could enjoy in this country. Do you think there's a cost to the UK in uh, in, in lagging on this, or creating an environment in which? Founders of these sorts of businesses ultimately find themselves domiciling in jurisdictions outside the UK. Um, I would say yes. Uh, I mean, I, mean I, would, I would go further on the point actually about about, about the SCA's view on 
on the banking side because if you look at the, I mean, the, the, the risk assessment for, for money laundering that the Treasury did in late 2017 assessed the risk of money laundering in crypto as being quite low. Um, and then not, not even six months later, you, you had a, a dear, CEO, dear CEO letter to the bank saying, we're concerned about the risks of money laundering in this space, which is, you know, in terms of you know, trying to get a business off, off the ground in, in, that's legitimate and you want to do it in, in the right way. That's not a good. That's that's not a good thing to have to have to deal with from, from the point of view of banking. So yes, I think that there's no question that if if smart people who would otherwise be a net asset to the UK are being forced abroad, forced to other jurisdictions, there will be a net loss. Of course, there will be because the intellectual um, capital of the UK will be diminished. So it sounds like two clear challenges here. One is uh, one is one is the challenge of defining the regulatory perimeter, defining the regulatory treatment of these sorts of instruments and assets but you guys are flagging another very important point which is that we need a clear and efficient and helpful framework for banking businesses like yours absolutely uh, i think the cost is probably quite easy to quantify sum up the, the net revenue across all companies that you know building and growing fast in this sector multiplied by 0.2 or whatever it is for corporate tax and, and that's the real loss yeah there's a longer term loss too though isn't there i mean there's the you know economy of agglomeration of, of all these smart people you know, in a space together, you're going to create interesting things. If you dissipate that, move it across jurisdictions, move it away, you will lose more than it. There's a, it's hard to quantify the long-term effect, but it's going to be much more than lost tax revenue in the very short term. Well, indeed, systemic loss. Correct. And it's going to be real. Oliver and Oliver, thank you very much for your time. Thank you, Stephen. Thank you very much. For more insights, blogs and analysis, you can visit our website www.global-council.co.uk and subscribe to our mailing list. You can also follow us on Twitter at global underscore council.